Hello, and welcome to our photo book book group. I'm Sibylla Smith, and I began this platform to share the creative practice of contemporary photographers and to explore the bookmaking process. I believe in the power of photography to change individual lives and also to have an impact on positive social change. I call myself a visual activist. Thank you. Um, before we start, I wanted to take a minute um, to ask all of the people present to think about how to support the platforms which support visual activism. I'm thinking of nonprofits like Ground Truth and Report for America, which is putting people on the ground across the United States and training young journalists. I'm thinking of local museums and places that exhibit work and support artists and provide grants and education. I'm thinking about subscribing to local newspapers and national newspapers, international newspapers. And I'm also asking you to consider to follow those of us who amplify the work of visual activists on places like Instagram, where for myself, I'm called Jay Sibylla. I wanna introduce you to Deb Hemley, who is our media coordinator, and she is going to manage the uh, chat and when we are um, in our question and answer period, we're going to ask if you have a question to raise your hand. Um, I wanted to let you know if you also aren't comfortable asking a question, Deb is comfortable asking the question for you and you can put it in chat directly to her. Um, I also wanted to let you know that on this platform, which we um, were on our 22nd book group, um, we will follow up with a, a summary because we tend to cover a lot of resources and ideas. And so everyone who has signed up to participate will get a summary and we will outline these and, and, and share them again, as well as the recording. And so if you have resources you want to share, we, we'd love for you to, to put them into chat. Um, and because I'm welcoming Pete Souza, and many of you are familiar with who that is, we're doing things just a little bit differently. And um, what I'm going to do is share my screen and introduce with a, a short video. And then we're going to come back to this full screen mode and um, start talking and open up with some questions and uh, and hear from Pete. I've also got a PDF which has some things that are um, focused more on uh, Pete's work on Instagram and um, we can share that as well. So I'm going to share my screen and um, thank you all for being here and I'm excited. And if Deb or Matilda wanna tell me if I forgot anything, go ahead. Um, I'm gonna share screen and we're gonna watch this. I was introduced to Pete Souza as he collaborated with Digital Silver Imaging in printing his solo exhibit, Throw Shade, Then Vote, at the Stephen Kasher Gallery in fall of 2018. 
After the opening over dinner, I was captivated as I listened to Pete's astounding stories of his historical accomplishments during unprecedented times. I've invited Pete here today to honor his impactful legacy and to provide a platform for fellow image makers to explore the creative practice of a generous educator and a master photojournalist. Here I have compiled a sampling of the expansive array of images Pete's position demanded. Pete was a documentary, press, event, landscape, portrait, and family photographer rolled into one. Inspired by Lyndon B. Johnson's White House photographer, Yoshi Okamoto, Pete set out to create a visual biography of a presidential term and of a country, to record their values, character, and personality. The quotes you see are woven into the rug in the Oval Office. Pete describes himself as a citizen of the earth on Instagram. How perfect to host him on Earth Day. Pete considers himself an historian with a camera. His degrees in photojournalism from Boston University and Kansas State University led to being the Washington representative for the Chicago Tribune in 2000. In 2005, he was tasked with following the assimilation of a newly elected senator, Barack Obama. This led to his being recruited three years later to be the chief official White House photographer and director of the White House press office. At the time, he was teaching photojournalism at Ohio University. To take the position, Pete's request was to be given full access. He paraphrased the lyrics from Hamilton, he needs to be in the room where it happens. Well, he was in countless rooms in over 60 countries and sat in airplanes or helicopters for over 1.5 million miles. He made almost as many images over eight years in a job which called him to work every day, all day, 24 seven, 365 days a year. Pete achieved what he set out to do with this unfettered access. It went beyond party and politics and connected history and art. He was an ever-present yet invisible and silent presence. Thinking, observing, envisioning, eyewitnessing, all while visually recording, processing, collaborating, and delegating. Pete has created three New York Times best-selling books. We will reflect on his last two. Obama, an intimate portrait, now in its 11th edition, and his response to the impact of witnessing the Trump administration shade a tale of two presidents. What began innocently on Instagram grew to a phenomenon and culminated in Pete's book and exhibition. Here he placed images taken during the first 100 days of the two Obama administrations in contrast with current events or one of the incessant Trump tweets. Senator Mitt Romney described the Trump administration as, quote, living in morally different universes, end quote. Pete saw it for what it was, ineptness and disrespect of a serious office with consequential actions which were dangerous. Well, Pete was no longer silent. He brought us informed commentary using his visual archive. He provided ballast for countless people living through our tumultuous times. 
He did it with conviction, wit, and grace. I leave you with a quote from writer Elizabeth Diaz, reflecting on a photo essay of the transformation incited by the pandemic. She notes, quote, art can give voice to moments when words fail, end quote. I know I am not alone in being very grateful for Pete's visual voice. There we go. That was fun to make and uh, I could have made it longer. <laughs> but um, without further ado, I'm so pleased and grateful um, to welcome you, Pete, to this audience. And um, I was going to start because one of my favorite stories is that um, came out from the first dinner that we had and it's that you were promised a rose garden. So I thought maybe we could just share that because that was a very uh, special exchange and really reflective of the relationship that you developed with Barack Obama. So maybe we could start there. <laughs> the secret <laughs> wedding, you were talking about the secret wedding. Yeah, so you know, my, my wife and I had um, uh, been together for I think like 17 or 18 years. She had been uh, previously married. Her husband died very unexpectedly when she was quite young. And I met her, I guess, about six years later. And then um, we uh, became partners, uh, but, you know, I had never gotten married. And I, I started getting um, pestered by President Obama. You know, he had met Patty and likes to tell people that he likes her better than he, than he likes me. Um, and he just started, you know, he wouldn't let it go. He just screamed <laughs> me and, and, and he offered that he would officiate my wedding in the Rose Garden. And I was mortified that this would open him up to other staff people wanting to get married in the Rose Garden. And I, I tried to dissuade him and he he wouldn't let it go. So um, fast forward, we we uh, uh, we do indeed have the wedding in the in the rose gardens. Very very short private ceremony with just uh, a few family and friends, um, and with the president and the White House chaplain uh, officiating. And it was so low key that nobody else on the White House knew about it. Um, and um, I don't think I really tell this story in, in, the, in the film, but um, uh, it turns out that Kristen Welker from NBC, even though it was a Saturday, was doing a stand-up on the north side of the White House. Um, and she heard the applause at the end of the ceremony and immediately called the White House press secretary and said, what's going on in the Rose Garden? Is there something you're not telling us? And uh, uh, Josh Ernest had no idea what was going on at the White House. So he didn't know. And so he made a few phone calls and 
and then I got called saying that they were going to have to release, you know, the fact that President Obama had officiated this wedding. And I was mortified because I didn't want, I wanted to totally keep it secret. So anyway, that's, that's kind of the story. Well, I do remember, and I remember you passing around the photographs that are beautiful. And, and I also think, didn't he nudge you to get engaged and offer that too? I just, I just love it. I think it's just a sweet romantic. Well, he actually helped me pick out the engagement ring for Patty. Uh, Yeah. And um, um, it, it, uh, it's funny, like the, the pictures from the wedding had never been made public before. And the, I was involved in, in this documentary film last year. And um, the film, my wife had shown the film producers the some of the photos. So they were like anxious to use them. And I felt, you know, uh, I needed to make sure he was okay with it. Um, and so I sent him an email, maybe it was a text, I don't remember. And I, you know, I explained, uh, he knew about the film and I explained, you know, that they wanted to use photos. And I was like, would you be okay with that? And he's like, yeah, sure. And I was like, then I emailed him back and I said, do you want me to send you the photos we want to use? And he's like, no, I don't need to see them. He goes, but why don't you send them to me? I want to, I want to, you know, revisit that great moment or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. That is just so, so special. And I just love the photographs you shared with us. And in the film, I did see the ones that they chose and, and, and I chose actually, I chose them. They were beautiful. I loved, (laughs) I love the one where you're both walking and, and just the joy. It's just really fun. So that was one of my favorite stories and there are lots, but I won't, I won't, I won't drag you down all the ones I want you to tell me. I just want to ask her there, is there something since you're going to have a platform in this case with a lot of other visual uh, image makers, is there something you wanna share before we open up to questions? Something that you think would be of value or take us anywhere, we're listening. Yeah, I mean, I think only that um, the, um, I, I could not have had, I could not have made the pictures that I made without having the trust of uh, President Obama and with, without, uh, essentially having unfettered access throughout his administration. And I always tell people that, um, you know, I don't think I'm the greatest photographer in the world, but I, but I, I truly believe I was the, the, the right person to be the White House photographer for him. I mean, it, it, it's kind of like, you know, I had worked at, in the White House during the Reagan administration for a while as, a, as an official White House photographer. So I sort of knew the lay of the land. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I had lived, you know, an entire career before I went back to the White House with President Obama. So I considered myself quite seasoned. And I had known Barack Obama for four years before he became president. And I think that was invaluable to, to not be in any way intimidated you know, by a president, because I knew him as a human being, first and foremost. Um, and so I, th- I just think I was the, 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 the right person to do that, to do that job. You know, it's interesting. I, I, I was struck because you are extremely humble and down to earth. And I think one of the things that resonates and, and was proven 
even prior. I know that you worked with the Reagan administration, and I also know that you were asked by Nancy Reagan to accompany his body. Uh, and that's an unbelievable position and also reflects just what type of relationship you develop with the people you're photographing. So um, I think that speaks a lot to you. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Like, I feel like the Reagan days is like a whole separate part of my whole <laughs> separate life. Yeah, it's just gonna and say. you know, and I, I I have been thinking about those times lately, mostly because uh, I've read a few memoirs lately, and uh, you know, of other people, and it's you know, it's made me think about my life uh, more so, you know, both my childhood and you know, the early part of my career. And I look back at the the Reagan days and, you know, I was working for somebody that I did not agree with politically that, you know, you go back now and, and looking back at his administration 30 years and you realize, man, you know, he really screwed up with AIDS and um, not, not coming to grips with it soon enough. And, um, you know, but it was, a, you know, it was such a different, time. I mean, I show when I do a presentation that shows photographs from both administrations, I show a picture from 1983 of him going to visit wounded soldiers at Camp Lejeune. They had been injured in a terrorist attack on our embassy in Beirut, Lebanon, that killed 241 Marines, still the largest terrorist attack of U.S. citizens abroad. So it's like a huge event, you know, that that, that many people were killed at our, uh, you know, embassy compound. And there was one congressional investigation, which led to uh, a report on how to better secure our, uh, you know, embassies and troops overseas. That was it. Can you imagine if something like that happened today, I mean, for God's sakes, we had Benghazi, which was a tragedy, no doubt. Four Americans were killed, tragic. But there were 13 congressional investigations and it became a total political football. So, I mean, it's really interesting to have lived through the Reagan days when there was no social media, mm -hmm. CNN was just getting started, and then living through the Obama administration when social media really exploded. I mean, you know, Instagram didn't even exist until midway through his first term. So anyway, it's, it's interesting to look back on, um, uh, you, you know, the, 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 the two presidencies now all, all, with a little bit of time removed. I kind of feel a fourth book coming out of something like this myself, um, in the sense that you have really an interesting vantage point to look at what the outside press and social media uh, impacts. And I, um, I remember the Reagan administration and I was actually a social worker in New York living through the AIDS crisis. Um, and I can remember because they used to have um, after the State of the Union, they would do the transcript in the New York Times. And that's how you got your information and just how different. And, and just, to, just to follow up a little bit on that is um, Reagan did finally acknowledge 
mm-hmm. the, the AIDS crisis and how important it was. And we went to NIH and, um, and he visited uh, um, uh, some, some patients who had been infected with HIV through, as I recall, uh, either birth or drug infusions. And he was uh, given a young uh, baby to hold who was HIV positive. And, you know, and I made this picture and it was on the New York Times front the next day. What's, <laughs> what's interesting now is I learned that uh, Dr. Fauci was in the room when I made that picture. And yet I went through all my proof sheets. I do not have a picture of him because, you know, he was just like one of a few people and I was sort of concentrating on this moment of him holding the baby. Um, and, you know, it's sort of, it, it shows you it, it, <laughs> the, the importance of taking everything in historically because you just never know you know, in 20 or 30 years, who, who's going to be an, an, imp- an important figure in history. And I kind of blew it for, for that occasion, I guess. Who knew? Wow. Have you had contact with him at all? With Fauci? Yeah. Only, you know, during the Obama administration, I mean, he was very involved in both the Ebola crisis, H1N1. So, uh, you know, I photographed him a lot during the, uh, um, during the Obama administration. Be really inter- interesting to get you two in a room together from your perspectives. Well, no, he doesn't need to have me in the room with him. <laughs> he, can, he can hold his own. Well, honestly, how he held his own is, is, is quite amazing. Um, and also, I just keep thinking of the rooms that you are in. Like when I was putting together the presentation and knowing that you were in a lot of like joyful and fun moments and historical and captivating and then terrifying and horrific. And frankly, reading through again, both books, you accompanied the president through a day which could have both, right? I remember the that going to um, Sasha's dance recital and going to Sandy Hook. I mean, same day, right? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting when, um, and this comes into play in terms of the, the, uh, the, the book, Obama, an Intimate Portrait, when I was making the selections for that book. And um, I had envisioned it as a, a book with sections, like, you know, family would be one section, then you'd have pictures with the family, and then you'd have, you know, on the road, and then you'd have, you know, crisis, and then you'd have, um, you know, whatever. And, um, uh, and this is, you know, after I left the White House, as I'm putting this book together, um, I uh, had, had made appointments with uh, the two uh, photo editors that, that I had hired during the White House years to, to have them take a look at my sort of, you know, dummy uh, 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 of the book to see, see what they thought. Uh, and these were separate appointments. Um, uh, and, and, um, and both of them gave me the exact same feedback, which was, you need to do this book chronologically. And I was like, well, why? And they said, because 
we look through your take every day and the emotions just varied so much. Like you'd see how much he was doing every day. You'd see all of a sudden, you know, he'd be stressing about something in the situation room. And then all of a sudden Malia would pop into the Oval Office and he'd have this happy family moment. And so they convinced me to, to change the, the book uh, to make it chronological, to try to weave that in, in and out throughout the book. And I, you know, I'll admit the, the book editor knew nothing about this. Uh, and, um, you know, I was working with the designer, y- Yolanda Cuomo, mm-hmm. and we dummied, re-dummied the whole book. Um, and, then, uh, and then the book editor came over to her design studio expecting to see you know, the, the first version of the book in sections and it was completely changed. And I remember like, you know, standing there nervously because I hadn't told him that I had completely changed the, the book. Uh, and he just said that he, you know, that he loved it. He thought it worked. So anyway. Yeah, actually, I mean, a good plug for photo editing, but I think people that come in from outside your story assist to tell it in a way that that can really impact it. And I know for myself, I mean, I've spent a lot of time with you getting ready for this interview and revisiting. And it that is one of the most unbelievable aspects because for everything that Obama did, you were there. Like that's why when I'm thinking of them looking at the Martin Luther King Memorial and it's at night and you're there. Um, you know, that, and I learned so much about like the exit interviews and just the playful things that went on that make that high stress job so humane. Um, and, and I really, I appreciated you bringing us into that. Um, let's see if we can open up two questions. Um, thank you for giving us that background. Deb, do you have hands up yet? I don't see any hands yet. Okay. I do have some that people gave me ahead of time. So I think we could start with a few of those. Um, And let's see if we get some hands. Um, People were curious about your access. Um, Albert Alter asked, how much access, how many hours per day were you with the president and his family? This is a combined question. Um, Were there any areas or subjects that were off limits? And on average, how many photos did you take a day? Uh, (laughs) I'll I'll forget the I'll forget two two of the three questions because we'll uh, start and go through. We'll start with uh, how many photos did I take a day? I'd say anywhere is between like five hundred and three thousand you know, just dependent on the day. And over the course of the eight years, it's about 1.9 million Mm. photos. And and every single picture ends up uh, because of the 1974 Presidential Records Act, every photograph is saved, none are deleted. And they are now all at the National Archives, even even my clunkers, even my, uh, because I began in 2013, I began uh, an official Instagram account uh, under my name uh, at the White House. Uh, and 
um, used, but used my personal iPhone for many of the pictures. Um, and at the end of the administration, I had to go through and, and separate those pictures from my personal pictures, which took quite a while. Um, and so that, so my, the archive, the national archives also includes, I think it's right around 15,000 iPhone pictures that I shot mostly of stuff like around the white house, not, not necessarily president Obama, you know, pictures of the Rose garden, the snow, Bo and Sonny, that kind of stuff. I did a lot of like sort of peripheral stuff with my iPhone. Um, in terms of the, the average number of hours a day, you know, it just would depend. I mean, I, I'd usually get to the office around 7.30 um, or eight. And then he was kind of a late starter. He's, he, when he first started his first year, he was getting there at nine. I mean, when I say getting there, I mean, walking down from the residence to the Oval Office around nine. Uh, and then I get then it became 930. And then by the last year, it was like 10. <laughs> Man after my own heart. <laughs> yeah. Um, and um, but the, the irony of that is that uh, he would still wake up early, but he, he was a, he was very religious. That's probably the wrong word. Um, but he worked out every morning, every mm -hmm. single morning. I mean, even in Hawaii, I remember we, we would go on vacation in Hawaii. That's where he spent every Christmas he'd get up Christmas morning before they open gifts and, and work out, you know, he is like, you know, um, so I think it would depend. I mean, I, I'd usually get home around, uh, you know, seven thirty, eight, eight thirty at night, usually somewhere around there, depending. And then, um, uh, there were, I'd say on an average, maybe two or three, uh, times a week it'd be later than that. Some, some nights as late as midnight, uh, you know, kind of depend on what's going on. And in terms of the family, it would be, um, you know, I would sort of get wind of things with the family and, and, and uh, I would photograph them or occasionally uh, Michelle through her chief of staff would say, Hey, you know, uh, Sasha is doing her Taekwondo test in the residence on Sunday. Can you come in? And I was like, sure. You know, uh, so just kind of that the family was, was a little bit more fluid and, uh, it, 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 you know, if I got wind of something, I would either ask him or Michelle, Hey, do you want me to photograph this or not? Kind of thing. Um, and what was, did I miss one of those questions? I can't remember. Well, um, no, you're doing really well. I guess um, one piece is this idea, is there any area or subject that was off limits? No, uh, not, not at all. I mean, I think that there, it, it, a lot of it was common sense. You know, I've got this picture in my book of him um, on the swing set outside the Oval Office having a conversation with Malia, just the two of them. And, you know, I made, made picture, I got, I made sure I got a good picture and then just, uh, you know, intuition told me, okay, this is a father daughter talk. I need to like, let them have their space. Right. And that's just common sense intuition. Mm -hmm. So once I got my picture, I just kind of back away and not, mm -hmm. you know, they don't need to have somebody, you know, listening in on their conversation. Mm -hmm. So more common sense. And the same thing, like in terms of in the oval office, same thing, if you had a one-on-one -on -one meeting, um, with, with someone where there was no one else there. Um, 
and it was going to be a private conversation, you know, I'd make some pictures, but after, you know, five or 10 minutes, I just walk, I just leave. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I remember asking you this over dinner, but I mean, your situation room image is like seared in my mind. I mean, I was riveted by that. And I actually remember because I was also up when um, the president made the announcement and he walked down that hall on the red carpet. I mean, the whole incident is so seared in my mind. And then listening or reading actually your place in that, I mean, this unbelievable moment, the tension I cannot frankly envision. And you had to go into a tight room and and you were thinking about the photograph. I remember you saying like, okay, how can I get um, here and see them? And, and, and just that kind of envisioning, I think was, I think because you said you had that career beforehand that you just had a, an ability to be thinking photographically under dire conditions. Well, I mean, <clears throat> I don't consider that dire conditions. I mean, you know, I covered the start of the Afghan war and had some close calls in Kosovo. And, you know, so I didn't have, when I was in the situation room, I didn't have sniper bullets, Mm -hmm. you know, whistling over my head or rocket propelled grenades coming close to me. So, you know, (laughs) you were okay. I was okay. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I was okay. And, you know, we're coming up on the 10th anniversary of that, uh, of that raid of the bin Laden raid. It's May 1st this year and um, be the 10th anniversary. And like, I've already done uh, three, I think three interviews because different people are doing like, you know, for whatever reason, when there's a 10th anniversary of something, everybody like makes a big deal out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, you know, so I've had to kind of relive that whole day already three times, three times in the last few weeks. <laughs> Sorry about bringing it up, but I guess oh, no, no. It's, all good. it's all good. Yeah. But it, my, 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 my sense though, is just dealing with the tension. Like that's where you had to bring your professionalism through such. That's where I'm like, when I think about some of the places you were and the situations and being able to still do your job under the prevailing tension. Yeah, but here's the thing is like, this is why I took the job. I mean, you take the job to be there when shit is going down. I mean, I I remember, you know, my two closest uh, friends of, you know, my work family were his two personal aides that that sat right outside the Oval Office, Ferial Govashiri and uh, Brian Mosseller. And, uh, I remember <laughs> there was some crisis going on or something. And I remember uh, um, coming out of the Oval Office, I think he was going to have lunch or something. And I, and I remember saying to them, you know, all shit is breaking loose. All hell is breaking loose. And I remember saying to them, I love days like this. <laughs> you know, because this is what you, this is as a photo you know, as a photographer that's documenting the presidency, these are the days where, you know, you're hyper alert to everything that's going on. And you know that these days are, you know, when there's a crisis going on, that this is history in the making and you're 
you're documenting it. So, you know, I, I lived for, for, for days like the bin Laden raid, um, mm. you know, and especially when it's a, a situation where you don't know how it's going to end because this could have ended really badly. Mm. Um, and it, yet it still would have been historic. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Well, uh, let me go back. Albert had a couple of more. Oh yeah. He asked about, um, you know, uh, how many days, how many photos per day and on average, and did you shoot on the weekends? But I know we answered that, right? You shot on the weekends. What I think is interesting is he also asked, did you have edit assistance? Um, that and the fact that was it you that came up with putting the images on that rotating basis so that the staff could see it? Yeah, so we did, um, we hung what's called jumbos. These are like 30 by 20 prints and uh, mostly in the ground floor of the West Wing leading up to the press office. Um, and it, it's, I, I didn't start this. This is something that, um, had started during the Nixon administration and had been um, uh, a constant. Um, I mean, I think what I did differently than, than most previous administrations is I used it as an opportunity to curate the best behind the scenes photographs. And people were used to seeing, you know, the more ceremonial public type events. Mm-hmm. And I was showing basically how the sausage was being made and the staff loved it. I mean, and, and it was partly because, you know, you got probably more than 500 people uh, working for the president, you know, between the West Wing and the old executive office building. Maybe it's even more than that. Um, but there's only, you know, a couple dozen that, that really interact with him on a, on, a, on a daily basis. So here's most of the people working for him that never, you know, they might get a glimpse of him you know, in the Rose Garden or some event, but, you know, they don't really get to, to see everything that he's doing. And so I was showing them everything that he was doing. And I think people really uh, appreciated it. And, and it was because of that, that the press office, um, I mean, you said at one point in your video that I was the director of the press operations. I was not the director of the press operation. I was the, the director of my office, the photo office. Um, but it was the press office and the communications office came to me. And after seeing, you know, us putting these photographs up on the wall saying, we need to get these so the public can see these. And that's how the, the whole Flickr photo stream got started where we were posting many of these behind the scenes pictures uh, every month. We'd usually do a, a month's gallery. I see somebody has their hand up. Mm-hmm. Oh, great. Thank you for looking at that. I just want to say that um, Albert also said, thank you for your wonderful images and insight into this historical time. So great. Deb, can we go to the person that was going to ask? Let's see who we have. Okay. I assume that's me. Hi, hi. Thank you. Great. I, I love Pete's work and, and his approach and everything. And I have another kind of technical question. I know he's answered quite a few already with his cameras and stuff. Uh, of the iPhone, um, but I'm wondering, do you, are you using zoom lenses all the time? Or are you using primes and then doing like portraits and stuff? Do you have a, a, a preference for a focal length that you like to use? Yeah, so when I first started out, um, I was using um, uh, prime, just prime lenses. So I was using 
uh, I was using Canon 5D uh, and I was using, I had a 35, I think it was a 1.4, a 50, um, a 135 F2, and then occasionally I'd use a 24 or a 85. Um, and then I, I forget what year it was, but it, maybe in 2011 or 2012, uh, Canon came out with the second version of their 24 to 70 zoom. And that was a sharp, sharp lens. So I, I started using that more and more. Um, I don't, I don't really do portraits. So, uh, you know, I'm not a portrait photographer, so I don't really, um, uh, I really, <laughs> I really wouldn't know what what pictures to use, but uh, I mean, what you wouldn't lens call it an environmental portrait when they're in the environment, it, like at an event. You wouldn't call that. No, I mean to me, a portrait, a portrait to me, um, is, is something that is the you know the photographer is directing, and I I didn't ever direct any pictures. Everything is just on the fly. So you would call yourself an event photographer, kind of covering the event more so. Than, than taking no, portraits. I don't think I, I, I think, you know, 90% of what I did at the White House was was documentary photography. I mean, it wasn't the event. It was, you know, moments before and after, you know, moments in between. So I, I think I would call myself, you know, a, a, you know, just a documentary photographer, document everything that was going on and trying to make moments that, um, show what he was like as a president and, 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 you know, and as a, as a human being. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I see that. I think we have some questions in the chat too, Deb, if you could relay those. Yeah. We had someone ask, um, how do you archive these huge amount of photos and how do you decide what the tags should be? Is there an official written procedure for archiving in prior to start photographing the president? Well, I mean, it was interesting, you know, the uh, up until the second, well, back up, uh, the White House Photography Office w w was always a film, uh, uh, you know, it was the photographers use film. And in the second term of, of Bush 43, Eric Draper, who was my predecessor, um, made the switch from film to digital. So they became an all digital uh, operation the second term. And uh, thank you, Eric, because <laughs> I can't imagine the headaches involved in, in doing that. Um, and, I, and then when I, when I came in, um, uh, they were using Merlin as, as a database to, to, to archive the photos. And um, the license carried over for another, I don't know, five or 10 years or something, I, f I forget. So we continued using Mer Merlin, but I, but, it, but I think we improved on, on what the Bush folks done. Um, and I, I um, uh, instituted a policy where every photograph would have an AP style caption. So it was a little annoying, I think, to the staff. Um, but I, but I, you know, my 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 attitude was: in 50 years, wouldn't it be better to have an AP style caption than just, you know, not enough information? So I made them write, you know, President Barack Obama every time, 
um, to start out the, uh, the, the the caption. And then there was, you know, we used active verbs and it was a, you know, place, date, everything was included in that caption. And then we had a photo archivist who would go in and try to identify everyone that was in, in the picture. And oftentimes she would send me, um, you know, like a, a, a screenshot and say, who's, who's this person on the left? You know, cause I knew pretty much everybody that was coming into the Oval Office. It was harder to do obviously on the road if you're photographing people in the crowd and stuff like that. And a, a lot of times we didn't get those names. Um, and then she would also add uh, uh, keywords and she came up with the keywords herself. Um, but, but it's, it's, it's at the point now where, you know, all that information is attached to every photograph that's now in the archives. So it's going to be so super easy for people, for researchers in the years to come to, to be able to search anything. Like if you wanted to search, I'm just picking this out of thin air, you know, uh, Dennis McDonough and Barack Obama in the Oval Office, you could, you know, enter that information and every picture of the two of them together in the Oval Office would, would pop up. Um, so I'm as, I'm as proud of the images that we made as I am the information that we attach to each image. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You're truly a historian at heart. <laughs> I think that's really evident. Someone uh, did a piece of Albert's question also was, did you have editing assistants? How did, how did that work? Who edited your work? I don't like the, the term editing um, because um, to, to, to so many people, uh, I'd say 99% of the country Editing means you're you're messing with a photo, mm, you know, gotcha. and and um, it's 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 in it and it's a, a term that has changed unfortunately over the years because you know a photo editor always meant somebody who's choosing photos selection selection, yeah. and mm -hmm. now it's and when people talk about editing they think what are you doing in Photoshop you know uh, and and that's not you know so. Um, so, but to answer the question, uh, yes, of course, we had photo editors and um, they would, um, uh, since, since I was literally with the president all day long, I would two or three times a day uh, drop my cards um, and they would, they would download them to get started on captioning and keywording and, and, and things like that. And then we, we came up with a, you know, uh, uh, a, a file number system, you know, which was uh, date, uh, date plus uh, photographer's initials, and then chronologically each day, zero, 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 one to, wow. um, you know, uh, however many photos there were, were that day. And then in terms of like, um, in, in terms of daily use of photos, it, it wasn't like it is now where if you go to Instagram now, you know, Kamala Harris and Joe Biden have like multiple Instagram posts every day. We weren't really doing that. 
but for whitehouse.gov or you know the white house facebook you know they would let us know hey we're doing a we're doing a post on the president's meeting with angela merkel we need a picture of angela merkel so one of the photo editors would would go through my take pull out two or three photos send them to me on my blackberry this is like <laughs> and and i would like say, you know, okay, send them all three or just send them this one. Or I thought I had this one of her, you know, of them, you know, before the meeting, just outside on the colonnade or something like that. And, um, and that would be it. Uh, and then it, when it, when it came time to doing the, 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 our monthly upload of behind the scenes photos, I was much more involved in, in the editing of that in the choosing of the pictures there'd be one photo editor that would kind of go through um and 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 keep kind of a running tally of the best pictures of the month and then uh i would try on sundays if i had time to go through my uh, uh week's worth of work to see if i thought there was anything that was missing and then at the end of the month we'd come up with however many we, photos we came up with. And I'd, I'd show them to uh, uh, Josh Ernest in the press office to make sure there weren't any flags for one reason or another. And I'd say like 99% of the time, they just went with photos that we selected. I didn't ever wanna get them to the, the press office to the point where they were looking at our, my take. Because I, I I really wanted to make public what I thought were the authentic images, mm -hmm. what were the best images, and that myself and the photo editor were in the best position to make that decision. Um, there, I mean, there were times when you know I'm trying to think of an instance. Like we were very selective about any pictures that we released that had the girls in them. Super mm -hmm. careful about that, and um, you know there'd be instances where maybe. It'd be something like, uh, uh, you know, there might be a certain congressman in a photo that he's interacting with, and this guy maybe had just screwed the president on something. And they'd say, yeah, can we like not use this one? And I was like, yeah, I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. So, uh, it, it, for, but for the most part, you know, we, 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 uh, we controlled the, you know, the curation of, of which images were made public, mm -hmm. which, you know, which I have to say is, um, you know, because President Obama never, never saw the images until they were made public. And a couple of times, you know, he got pissed at me, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, I like that you were the one that was able to do that. But I also think he directed you, right, when he, when he did that shot, where he did a really good block, and he wanted to make sure you got it. Oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah, then yeah. I think he wanted you to make sure it got on that wall. I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah, no, that's true. That's true. <laughs> I see somebody asking about a technical question is, yes, I did shoot all raw. I never shot JPEG. So every file that's in the, at the National Archives is a, is, is, is a raw file. Mm -hmm. And what happened to the images after they were up in the press office? You know? Um, so uh, you're talking about the, the pictures on the wall? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so all those images, uh, we, we would, you know, we would switch out a few every couple of weeks and, um, and then people would get to, 
the, my, my office manager would collect them all and then have like uh, once a week, let staff people come in um, and choose uh, images that they could hang in their office. Oh, cool. Um, and so if you were to walk in any office in the old, old executive office building, you'd see uh, you'd see pictures hanging on their walls. And then at the end of the administration, um, uh, staff people were allowed to purchase, um, uh, I think it was, I can't remember if it was one or two, two jumbos. Um, and they'd have to write a, a check to the US Treasury. And then the ones that were left over uh, were all packaged up and sent to the National Archives. And so, um, uh, so they, they, you know, I assume some of them will be hung at the uh, the Obama Presidential Center. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I wondered about that lifespan. Deb, do you wanna? Do you see more raised hands? And if not, can we go into chat? Because I do see some passing questions there. Yeah, we have questions in chat. Okay, could you give us some? Yeah, here's one. Um, presumably you may have seen or heard things that were confidential or of national security interest. How did you manage the potential implications of that, both at the time and now many years later? Oh, I just never said anything to anybody. <laughs> it's pretty simple. I mean, um, it's... Um, uh, uh, and, and I mean, I wouldn't even tell stuff to my wife. I mean, I, I just, you know, the, the, but, but most of the time it'd be something like, I sort of use it as an, an example. Um, you know, we opened relations with Cuba for in, in 2015, was it 2015? I think it was 2015. Um, and I had known it was coming for a year. I mean, because he had had, uh, two aides dispatched over the course of a year meeting with the Cubans, then meeting with Castro. And they would come back and they would report back to President Obama or they'd have a meeting in the Situation Room. And so I knew it was gonna happen for a year, but you know, I never said anything to anybody and didn't even say anything to my staff. And had to come, like I remember saying to the photo archivist, um, you know, just, you know, because in, in, a, in a still photograph, uh, any meeting picture looks, this looks similar in a situation room. Um, you don't know what they're talking about. I knew, but, but, you know, looking at the photograph, you couldn't tell. And I remember saying to the photo archivist, just say, you know, country X, they're talking about country X. And, and I said, just flag it so that um, when it, when, when the time comes, you can go back to all these meetings and put in what it actually was, you know, that, so that that's like, so there's stuff that I never shared with my staff, never mind, you know, my, my wife. And, um, I, you know, I had no problem doing that. Gotcha. Deb, give us another. Yes, we have a question. Any advice for the new White House photographer? Yeah, I gave it to him. <laughs> um, no, I talked to him maybe uh, like a week before the inauguration. And um, 
uh, I'm not going to say everything that I told him, but I, but I said to him, I said, don't lose sight of the fact that your primary function is you're documenting the presidency for history. And, um, you know, I knew there was going to be a lot of pressure on him because even more so than when, when I was at the white house, there's this real rush to get photos on social media and, um, and, and they're, you know, being used as, as a, you know, as a message, uh, more so now than, than ever, which is fine. You know, that that's an administration's prerogative to do that. But I said, don't lose sight of the fact that you're documenting for history. I mean, it doesn't mean that your job is making pictures for, you know, Kamala's Instagram post. Your job is to document everything that happens for history. If while you're doing that, you're, you know, Kamala or Joe is using the pictures for their Instagram, that's fine. But don't forget what your primary function is. That was my main message. And then there was a lot of other detail stuff that I don't really want to go into. Mm -hmm. We have a question about, can you say more about the distinction between personal photos and official photos that are part of the archive? Uh, they're all in the same to me. Um, I think that the, um, I was a little taken aback by the, um, um, my, my immediate successor during an early interview saying something to the effect that, um, that, that, uh, that she would, this is Trump's photographer, that she was, uh, you know, documenting what took place and then uh, also making pictures for his personal archive. And I was, that was like, I sent a message to her through a friend of hers and said, don't ever say that again, because, you know, that's, uh, that's not allowed for one. Um, so every picture, even the personal pictures that I made, meaning family pictures and things like that, end up at the National Archives. You're a government photographer. You're on the government payroll. So you can't like make pictures for his personal archive and not send those to the National Archive. That's not allowed. There is an asterisk. And the asterisk is this. Um, the way the Presidential Records Act is, I think it's starting next year, if I'm not mistaken, um, anyone is allowed to FOIA, Freedom of Information Act request for any um, photograph from the Obama years. I think it's five years after. Um, that's, that's when that process starts. Anything that we made public during the administration is already public domain, you know, which is how I was able to do my books. And, you know, anybody can use those photos. Um, 12 years after, I think I have this right. I'm not an expert, but I think I have this right. 12 years after um, president leaves office, everything is made public. Here's the asterisk. The president is allowed to keep anything from becoming public 
that is totally personal of nature. So for instance, you know, I have pictures of them every Christmas opening gifts, the family, they're in their PJs. Well, he's not in his PJs, but the, the girls are. I've got pictures of the girls um, on the beach in Hawaii, things like that. He has the prerogative <clears throat> or his heirs to keep those pictures private. They'll stay in the archives, you know, uh, but he, he gets to control when those, when those are made public. It was really funny because when I was trying to explain this to him the last year, because he was asking me about it or something, I was explaining, I said, look, all these pictures are at the National, will be at the National Archives. So he was concerned that, you know, he would lose the copies that he, <laughs> that he has, the personal copies, because really the only pictures he cared about were the ones of the family. And I said, no, no, they're all at the National Archives. And I said, but the, you know, you can, you, you can hold those back from being made public. And he goes, well, what if I want to make them public? <laughs> I go, you can do that too, if you want. So, um, I mean, I say that in that um, there, there is no differentiation in terms of what's sent to the archives, mm -hmm. but there is, a, there is a qualifier on how those pictures are made, those really personal pictures you know, are made uh, public. That, that's, that, I think that's the one area that he, mm -hmm. that he can control. That's why you've seen in, 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 in recent years, you've seen, I mean, maybe it's like five or 10 years ago, you saw, you saw a lot of pictures of uh, Caroline Kennedy and John Kennedy Jr. being released for the first time. And, and it's because oh, of that. It's because cool. Caroline had made the decision to, to, to make them public. Mm -hmm. That's really interesting. I do have a question that came through and I see it again in chat. So I'm going to say, um, Stu Rosner asked, what contemporary working photographers, what work do you admire now, whether it's anywhere in the spectrum from journalism, portraiture, fine art? Yeah, I don't really pay attention to fine art that much. So sorry. Um, and, and yet I have, you know, an Ansel Adams uh, in my background there. Um, you know, I, I, I'm, I, I'm interested in the photojournalists uh, probably more than uh, anything. I mean, it, it, it's, it's uh, if, you, if you looked at my Instagram account and you saw who I followed, I'd say probably a third, at least a third of the people I follow are, are photojournalists. And um, there's, there's a lot of young photojournalists that I've never met that I'm following that I think are doing great work. Um, it's, it's been interesting during, the, during this last year because I made the decision just because of my age and you know I, I've had asthma my whole life to, that I was gonna be totally strict about not getting out there to photograph um, you know, and it was a huge news year, obviously, but um, there are so many people that are doing such great work. I mean, David Gutenfelder, uh, who happens to live in Minneapolis, has done a phenomenal job documenting everything that's happened in Minneapolis. And he's a National Geographic photographer, um, but he ha has spent a good amount of time doing, you know, sort of news photography this year. Um, John Moore for Getty Images has been covering the immigration issue for a decade um, and continues to do 
uh, amazing work beyond just what's happening at the border, but going to these Central American countries where people are coming from, going to where the people that do get into the U.S. end up. Um, and so, you know, so I, so I admire the work um, that he's doing. There were so many photographers that did an outstanding job on January 6th in D.C. Uh, when McNamee, one of my former students, you know, I taught for a while at Ohio University, Drew Anger had some of the best pictures from that day. So I was kind of proud of him. Um, and, um, you know, there's so many other photographers that I, I, I can't even like, uh, I can give you a list of 20, 25. But if you looked at, if you looked at my Instagram account and see the people that I'm following, I think you'd get an idea of who, you know, who I think is doing good work. And then in terms of, uh, I mean, people asked about, uh, I see mentors, um, um, heroes. I mean, certainly um, I, um, uh, once, once I became involved with photography and started learning more about the history of it, I, I became a big fan of uh, um, W. Eugene Smith and, and some of the other Life Magazine photographers and how they were approaching photo stories, photo essays, and some of the National Geographic photographers like Bill Allard and um, Jim Stanfield and uh, Sam Abel and David Allen Harvey. And, um, and then, uh, uh, you know, Cartier-Bresson, the great French photographer is certainly is, is somebody whose work I um, have, have always admired. Um, so. And then you mentioned Yoshi Okamoto, who is LBJ's photographer. You know, to me, he was the first one. He was really the first. I consider him the first real, real official White House photographer where, because, um, you know, before then it had been a, the White House it had military photographers documenting the White House. Not that that they didn't do a good job. It's just they didn't have a personal relationship coming in with the president, you know, LBJ personally hired Okamoto and Okamoto really set the bar as high as anybody's ever set it in terms of access. And plus he was just a great photographer. Mm -hmm. I was thinking about this um, in terms of an issue I would like to bring up. I understand when you were working for Reagan that your boss, uh, the chief photographer was a woman. And I wondered about gender parity and what your thoughts are or experience has been with that this in photojournalism or any contemporary photography. No, actually the chief photographer during the Reagan administration was Michael Evans. Who is Mary Ann? She was one of, one of my colleagues, but she was not the chief oh, okay. photographer. Yeah. Okay, okay, fine. For some reason I thought she was the, uh, the chief. No, no, okay. but Mar Mary Ann, you know, Mary Ann, uh, see, you know, the way that the, the, the way the photo office used to work um, is, uh, you know, the president would select a, a chief photographer and then the, the other photographers would, would, uh, would be, would go from administration to administration. They would carry over no matter who was president. And then that changed with Bush 41 because Bush 41's photographer came in and just fired everybody. And that, that kind of changed the, 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 the way the office operated. So Marianne's interesting because Marianne was hired during the Carter administration. 
to essentially um, photograph Rosalind Carter um, to be, you know, for the most part, her, she was a White House, official White House photographer, but was assigned to mostly doing the first lady stuff. So Marianne was the first female uh, White House photographer. So, you know, she holds a, a very distinct place in history. And then she carried over to uh, the Obama administration and, and mostly covered Nancy Reagan. Um, you know, uh, obviously uh, covered President Obama too, but, uh, and, um, and, 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 like, and like me at the end of the Reagan administration was fired. So um, she ended up uh, sort of leaving photography and now, now lives in Hawaii. <laughs> And what what if you looked at the press office or the photo office in your time, what was the what was the gender split there? I, I remember looking up some stats about that as I was reading you because I was curious about the staff. And um, it was something where they had gone up in the Obama years, went down in the Trump years, and that there's an aim to get it to I think somewhere in the 40 percent. Uh, in terms of that's all levels of inclusion, uh, diversity. Yeah, so I had uh, I had ten people in my office, and five were women. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, um, what we there are the four photographers. One was female, mm-hmm. um, but three editors and office manager and let's see. And one photographer, yeah. So we had, and we had five, five, five of the, but five total, like two of the photo editors, three of the photo editors, office manager, and one of the photographers was 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 female. I was disappointed actually that. Um, well, I don't know if I should say this. I'm not going to say this because some somebody will tweet it and then I'll get in trouble. So I won't say it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hopefully we'll see some great uh, shifts in. Uh, yeah. Fairness. I, I mean, I, 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 you know, it was interesting to me that actually uh, during the Trump administration, all the photographers were female. Um, except uh, Pence's photographer was, was, a, was, a, was a man. Um, and um, I think that's all I'll say about the Trump. <laughs> I want to. It's all good. I don't want to get in trouble. Like, I I hear you. Thank you. I I understand those. I understand. Um, two things. I wanted to open up again, if because um, I'm not looking at chat, and I would like to share my screen to just share those last photographs. But questions? Any raised hands? I see one. You have here. raised hands. Yeah. And you, there's a Let's bunch go. of questions in the chat. Okay, so let's let's motor through. Hello, can you hear me? Yes. Oh, great. Um, this is outstanding. I, I really uh, would like to thank you guys for putting this together. I follow uh, Pete on Instagram, and every photo that I've seen is so inspiring. Um, and you know, my my question pretty much is: I know that you cover the legacy of of, of many people that are very influential to American history, but what would you say is Pete Sousa's legacy besides the obvious? Oh, I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. I'll let other people make that, make that determination. Um, 
I, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't know what my legacy is. I, I, um, um, I hope people say that, that, um, that I, I raised the bar during the Obama administration in terms of access and, um, and the images that I, that I, that I captured. Um, but, you know, I, I think other people should make that that determination but thanks for your question and i'll say just a i see a couple of questions here i mean um people ask me did i uh, travel to every or nearly every location with the president yeah i went on every single foreign trip with him i went on every domestic trip i think except for three one because um on uh, uh I, I went with Mrs. Obama when Nancy Reagan died. I went to the funeral with Mrs. Obama and President Obama happened to have a, a trip that same day. And I decided I should, given my connection to Nancy Reagan, I should go to the funeral. And then uh, there was, there was two, camp, two fundraising events. I think one in New Jersey and one in New York that I was like, I was just burned out. I needed a break. So I didn't go on those. And then somebody asked, did my wife go on me with me on any international trips? No, um, that would be totally inappropriate. However, uh, you know, because we went to Hawaii every uh, every Christmas, um, he did invite um, my wife to uh, to fly on the plane out to Hawaii every year. I think every year, but once. And um, and so my wife kind of had. Uh, a nice vacation. She didn't get to see me as much as she thought she was going to, because because even though President Obama was on vacation, I, I ended up, you know, working quite a, quite a bit. And then somebody asked, "Have I tried the new mirrorless Canon?" Matter of fact, I just got the the R five, so I've been fooling around with it. One question um, that has come up, uh, Pete, is about your shade and the use of Instagram for that. And had you ever thought about using Twitter and would that have created something with you and uh, President Trump? Yeah, I did use Twitter for a while. And um, uh, I at, at one point I had quite a few followers on Twitter and I was very active. I was actually more pointed on Twitter than I was on uh, Instagram, which I think for the most part, I was more respectful on Instagram. Uh, on Twitter, I'd kind of like go, go too far occasionally. And, um, and I got to the point where it, it was affecting me. And so I uh, took my account down for 30 days. I was like, I need a Twitter break. So I, I, I sort of logged out of my account for 30 days. And when I went to log back in, um, uh, unbeknownst to me, after after 31 days or whatever it is, on the 31st day, they wipe your account. So I think I lost like 350,000 followers or something. And um, and then they wouldn't let me use my name for to start a new account. And so I was like really kind of upset and uh, went off about it on Instagram because figuring that some... And I and I and somebody called me up that 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 is involved with Twitter, and they were able to allow me to get my name back, so that I could use at least use my name, 
but that my followers were lost forever. <laughs> but but it you know it's sort of like lessons learned. I you know I I think in 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 some ways uh, I, I remember when I started trolling Trump on Instagram. Um, and then when I did the shade book, you know, if you've seen the shade book, it, it contains a lot of Trump's tweets that I sort of respond to. And um, I remember saying to the, <laughs> to my publisher, I remember saying to my publisher, I said, well, um, what happens if like, are you sure this is okay if you're legal people said it's okay to use Trump's tweets. I said, what happens if Trump sues me? And my publisher didn't bat an eye and he said, that would be awesome. <laughs> I, I love that. <laughs> um, I pulled up this image. Um, ironically, this is an image that you took on this day. I think it was 2015. Um, I just happened to notice. And I was thinking again of you being in the room. This is um, the president meeting the child. I, I think his name is Prince George. George. Prince, Prince George. Prince yeah. George. Yeah. Yeah. So, so this is, this is, let, let me go back to that picture. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. So, the, 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 you know, this is Prince George. It just so happens that I posted on Instagram today a picture of Prince George's grandmother. Oh. Princess Diana dancing with John Travolta at the White House in 1985 because John Travolta um, just just uh, just today an interview was published in which he recounted what it was like uh, dancing with Princess Diana. So I sort of posted my photo and and sort of told the backstory. One other funny thing about this picture is it was this was at night and and. You can see uh, Prince George has his bathrobe on. Mm -hmm. um, and I think he was two or three at the time. And um, um, when it came time for him to leave to go to bed, you know, the nanny, the nanny, <laughs> the nanny picks him up. And as they're walking out of the room, they stop in front of me. And the nanny says to Prince George, say thank you to the gentleman. And, and Frank, <laughs> Prince George looks right at me. He's like two feet away from me. And he goes, thank you very much. <laughs> In his little British accent, you know. Those manners, they're important. They get drilled in. We know that's yeah. so good. Well, here's some examples of what was both in the exhibit and in uh, Throw Shade. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 not ex the, the 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 exhibit was uh, s similar to to the book where mm -hmm. you know take a, a a Trump tweet um, and it'd be on the left side of the page and then on the right side of the page would be a photo and then my sort of sarcastic comment. I can't even the resolution. This is one was about leaking and saying that there was. Oh yeah, and I and my caption office. is. Pretty, Pretty sure Bo never leaked in the Oval Office or something like that. Yep. And then the, I interspersed some of the images that you sent me, which are just, you know, that's a portrait. That's beautiful. This one really cracked me up. I loved this one. Yeah. So this was um, this Lincoln impersonator that happened to be at the White House. 
And, uh, and, and one of his aides had mentioned it to President Obama and he's like, oh, you gotta get him in here, we'll do a picture. This is like one of the very few posed pictures I ever, I ever took. Average. But I was like, okay, we gotta do a picture in front of the Lincoln portrait, you know, you gotta. Uh, and uh, yeah. Yeah, love that. Oh, these are the, the things I pulled from Instagram. You capture far more than just pictures with your gifts. You provide a glimpse of why we are fighting this battle. And you sent me this image. I think that was an exit interview, right? Of staff, I'm not sure. Uh, I mean, this is a guy, this is a guy that was leaving the White House. Mm -hmm. And this is his son, yeah. Mm -hmm. And this one, your caption under it with all the crap going down on the left. And you said, Stormy. <laughs> yeah, this was at the height of the Stormy Daniels uh, whole thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And this is um, still the uh, lock screen photo on his iPad uh, during a snowstorm at the White House when uh, he and the girls played outside for an hour or so. Mm. Adorable. Thank you, Pete, for saving our sanity during this tumultuous times. I remember I asked you at dinner, I said, you know, you are doing a public service with this. Does it help you? And you said no, <laughs> in terms of dealing with what we were going through at the time. Um, and then this one, I loved the story behind this. Yeah, this is just that Easter they're listening to the national anthem. And uh, I, this is one of those pictures that I hung on the wall. Mm -hmm. uh, and the first, uh, I think we were coming back from the situation room uh, after a meeting and, and President Obama, it was kind of hanging at the top of the stairs. And, and so he saw it hanging there for the, you know, he had never seen the picture before. And he's, he came with the picture, he goes like, look at that, the two most famous sets of ears in Washington. <laughs> you know, so he's kind of making fun of himself. Mm -hmm. This was my absolute hands down fave. Love that image. That's at some campaign event in 2012, I think. Mm -hmm. This is really funny because this quote came through a, 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 a Facebook group, a Facebook um, post of mine. And it turns out to be my um, my daughter's kindergarten teacher. Uh, and she's referencing when you had the work up at the Bridge Gallery here in Cambridge. Uh, so she said, last spring, every few weeks, I would drive to the gallery on the corner of Pemberton Street to look at the exhibit of his photographs. In the midst of all that was going on in the world, this was such a welcome break. Well, can we go back to that for a second? Because so I don't, to, just to the quote. Yep, um, yep. So... <clears throat> Um, what had happened was there was an, uh, an exhibit of my Obama photographs at the Bridge Gallery in Cambridge. And um, right as uh, things were going on with COVID and um, I had to, last, this is last March. Mm -hmm. And um, I was, I had a plane ticket because I was going to go to the opening and be there. And, um, and, and Greg that runs the gallery had to close the gallery and so he came up with the idea of using the window of his gallery to rotate the photos. So I don't know how often he did it every few days. Uh, he put different photos in the window and, and people got to see the exhibit that way, all the, albeit not all at one time. 
And um, so we're gonna we're gonna try this again at the, at the Bridge Gallery in November. I forget oh, the date. So we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna do do the exhibit again so that uh, people will get to see it. Uh, uh, you know, all at once. I'll be there for the opening or the first or second week. I can't remember. We're, we're trying mm -hmm. to come up with exact dates. So if you live in in the Boston area, uh, just sort of mark on your calendar that uh, in November we'll be we'll, this exhibit will be back at the at the Bridge Gallery. That's terrific. That's really good to know. And actually, Greg continued to do that service. And um, I'm not sure if Mark Ostow is still on the call, but he's a photographer here in Boston who yeah. did a pandemic project and his Which project was great, by the way. I saw that. I saw the, the project online. So and yeah. I know, I, I've met Mark. So thank you, Mark, for doing that project. Yeah, it's a wonderful project, and uh, and it was really fun to go to the Bridge Gallery, which we did. We had a closing party outside, um, and and it Mark's work has been really uh, another one of those that helps us through a different kind of hard time. Um, and this is one of again my favorite uh, images that you captured, and um, is referencing a, a, a differentiation between the administrations on LGBTQ rights. Um, but I know that we're coming close and I just want to know, is there a, a, a question or two or I'm not looking at all the other parts. Can we give you one last question? I don't know how many raised hands there are. Yeah, let me ask, let, let me, uh, let me answer, uh, the, these, these last two questions that I see. Perfect. Uh, Thank one you. is about, uh, the picture of, uh, 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 the little boy, Jacob Philadelphia, touching uh, mm -hmm. President Obama's head. Yeah. Um, and the question was, did you feel like something magical was going to happen when they were meeting? No, I had no, no idea. No idea. That's why there's one frame, you know, literally one picture of it. And then it was in the moment was gone. And it's why the composition is a little haphazard. You know, I actually cut half the dad's head off because it kind of like happened so fast and it was unexpected. And fortunately I was, uh, I was enough to the side where you can clearly see, uh, you know, Jacob's hand uh, and Jacob's eyes as he's touching uh, the, the, the president's head. So there was like a one, you know, the situation room photo that, that uh, we talked about earlier, I've got like, you know, more than a hundred, uh, pictures from that raid as the raid was happening that are somewhat similar, but like the, the Jacob Philadelphia picture, there's one picture. That's mm -hmm. it. It's like one frame and it was gone. And then the last question is, uh, what would you like to do next photography wise? And <laughs> I don't know. I mean, there, I, I do feel that I have, uh, you know, a, a, another project or two, uh, it, you know, left in hey. me. You know, right now I'm mostly photographing, uh, you know, some nature stuff, and um, and I did cover a few of the protests, the BLM protests, and and after the election, um, it, but always outside. I never did any inside photography, and so I, I did a little bit of that, not a lot. And uh, I, I, you know, I have a new granddaughter, so um, have made a ton of pictures of her. 
And uh, I'm looking at one that I have uh, just above my computer here. Um, so the, she's, she's my, she's my main subject right now. <laughs> That's so fun. And I, you know what, Eric reminded me today of Charlotte and, um, you met my son, Simon, uh, over dinner, but you never got to talk reptiles because I used to have to buy crickets too. He had every kind of reptile you could imagine, Chinese water dragon, etc. But, but your reptile has its own Instagram account. Yeah, Charlotte's got Charlotte's got quite a few. I'm looking to see if she's awake over here. She's just on the other side of the office. Um, yeah, she's she's doing good. She's got. I think she's probably about 30, 30 years old. So wow. Yeah. And do you anyway, still have so to her? So if you want to check out some of the videos I've posted of Charlotte, her Instagram is at Charlotte the Tortoise. Very simple. Um, and she she has quite quite the following. She doesn't post that much. I don't know what her problem is, but sounds like she sleeps a lot. Yeah. And do you still have to get crickets? Cause I used to have a cricket. No, house. no, no. That was crickets were for, uh, when we had a bearded dragon. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Gotcha. But, Charlotte must eat like lettuce and greens and things. Yeah. She eats, she eats like collard greens, dandelion greens, bell peppers, you know, stuff like that. So. Like that. Keeping crickets was really a chore. I remember yeah. that. I had a cricket house trying to do it. Pete, I can't thank you enough for your, your time and attention and, and giving this audience who really admire what you do. And I think there are probably plenty of people on the call that want to emulate what you do in terms of bringing that kind of uh, historic eye and, uh, and presence. So, um, so good. Well, I hope I see you in November. That's fantastic. Yeah, I think we're, we're about to lock in a date, I think. So hopefully we'll, we'll know here in another few weeks, week or two. So. Perfect. Yep. Great. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks everybody.